Now we're at Revelation 18:11. Um, we have seen a sequence leading up to this. You're on page 33, 35, 35 in that big massive handout. And um, we have seen a sequence of events, uh, and it's kind of connected with the first angel, uh, Revelation 14:6, the sealed judgments that are open just about at the same time. That's the scene in heaven in chapter 6. About a year later, the second angel comes through, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Probably during that year, religious Babylon falls. The... Uh, uh, and and possibly during that year, economic Babylon. The third angel, probably at the second anniversary, is my guess, the second anniversary of the rapture of the church and the Antichrist rising to power. Now, rising to power, he's got the seal judgments, he's got the the offer of peace, the unprecedented peace movement, also taught in 1 Thessalonians 5. He's got the uh, defeat of three nations in his rise to power. He'll defeat three of ten, set up uh, an eighth nation. He'll become an eighth eighth kingdom. And um, we have uh, him conquering three nations. A lot of things going on in the early part of the tribulation. But it looks like that religious Babylon, because... They at one time had enough followers and adherents. If they'd have followed the right path, then they may have led the world to Christ without trying to do so forcefully or militarily. Economic Babylon had the wealth and the power that Christians had prayed for for centuries and the freedom, in fact, to take the gospel to the whole world, and they didn't do it. And to whom much is given, much is expected. So what we're finding, and we found in chapter 17, was the destruction of religious Babylon. Now it tells us in religious and economic Babylon that they're not simply two sides of the same coin. They're located in different places. One is located in the woman sets, seven hills on which the woman sits. You have the, the identification of one geography for chapter 17, a destruction of that in the last part of chapter 17, and a totally different geography in chapter 18. Uh, there's only three or four options that people present whenever they're trying to explain Revelation 17 and 18, and they say it's the world system, it's the world religious system, and it's the world economic system. The fact of the matter is, things go on after these entities are destroyed. Religion is still alive and well on planet Earth. The, the new believers of the tribulation are still... Uh, living in the trib and they're still being martyred in the tribulation the new believers so religion is still going on and why in revelation 16 does it talk about the blaspheme the god of the heaven it's a holy war the whole tribulation is a holy war and it's going on after 17 and 18 these entities are destroyed what about economics one of the methods of the antichrist is rationing that's what he uses. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, the first four seals, peace movement, rationing, famine, and death. If you don't follow him, then you, you get to die, and that's what he does. Now, <clears throat> verse 11, we've already seen. I'm not going to read these ten verses again because I can review things to death. But uh, if you get a chance, read through them again, savor them, take time, yes. About page 35, Revelation 18, 11. 
Is that, yeah, 35? That's a number. Okay. Page 35. Okay. And what we have now is the telling that this entity, Economic Babylon, will be destroyed in one hour of one day. Now, I have said for a long time, I'm not the only one that said this, that nobody, no entity in the history of the world has ever fit the description of economic prophetical Babylon like the United States. And yet people refuse to buy that. They've refused to accept it, but they say many pre-trib rapture people believe it is historical Babylon rebuilt. And we visited that. And that's what they argue for at the pre-trib study group in Dallas, Texas, the first week in December every year. That's what they believe. The rapture could happen at any time, and then there's an undetermined gap of time until the signing of the seven-year covenant uh, with Israel and the Antichrist that starts the seven years of the tribulation. Well, the problem, there's several problems with that which we've dealt with. First of all, you have a period of time with no dispensations. I've heard some of them say, well, that period, that gap could be two or three hundred years. Even those that, that say the rapture looks like it's going to be close, but we still might be two or three hundred years away. Now, why would they say that? Because they believe historical Babylon will be rebuilt and become the center of the world. That's why they're making a statement like that. Because it's not going to happen that fast. It's going to take a while to, to build it up. I've shown you pictures of historical Babylon as recently as 20 years ago. There is no way that they're going to turn that into the economic center of the world. I know there's some radio prophets that go out and say, well, there's going to be an EMP and it's going to take us down. It's going to do all this stuff. And I find it interesting. They, I've heard people, I, I got a link somebody sent me. It may have been one of you guys about uh, the Babylon being the United States. Yeah, I think you said it to me or something or told me about it. Anyway, Babylon's the United States, huh? Dan sent it to me. All right. Babylon is supposedly the United States, but it's going to be destroyed with an electromagnetic pulse. Therefore, you need to stock up on their survival food. <laughs> now, see, to me, that just that drives me crazy because here they're going through getting it right, but they're changing four or five major verses. And then they're trying to sell you food. No regard for people like that. No regard. Anyway... <clears throat> Verse 11 is going to carry this on. And I want you to notice as we go through here how many times it says this thing is going to be destroyed. And I want to talk to you about how, how it is going to be destroyed and the length of time it's going to take. <clears throat> now verse 11 says the international merchants of the earth, that's the emporos word, that's the word used for an international merchant, are wailing and anguishing over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. The last few verses that we saw uh, last week, standing at a distance because of the fear of the torment, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city. It says, For in one hour your judgment has come. Now, you, you, there's never been a total destruction of a nation in the history of the world in one hour, much less historical Babylon um, back in the 6th century B.C., they're wailing and anguishing. No one buys their cargoes anymore. So this Babylon is the undisputed, unparalleled cornerstone of the world's economy. 
All you got to do is take the data and you go through the data and say, what does it say? And then you look around and go, what fits? You don't take places and try and feed them in. It's bad exegesis. But you look at the data, you interpret the data, and then you go, what fits this? Okay. The loss of this Babylon will collapse the world's economy. Ancient Babylon, it would have never happened. The Assyrian economy collapsed in the ancient world, even as a predominant power. wouldn't have collapsed the world's economy. Wouldn't have touched India. Wouldn't have touched the Asian nations. Their places in, in Africa. It wouldn't touch anything but a localized thing. Whatever this is affects the whole world whenever it whenever it's gone. And it just happens that the U.S. dollar is the standard for the world's economy. To date, there's been only one nation in the history of the world that can impact the world's economy to such an extent. Now, if you wanted to put rationing in and you wanted to give everybody a chip to buy and sell, and you wanted to force them into that position, what do you do? You remove the central bank. That's what you do. And you set up your own in a different location. Now, verse 12, cargoes of gold. Here's some imports. You're going to see more imports. We're going to see exports. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls. This is the, what kind of cargoes do the international merchants have? It can no longer approach this entity because of the, the burning. Gold, silver, precious stones, and pearls. And fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet. This is priceless gemstones, precious gemstones. Fine fabrics. Every sandarac tree. This is basically saying fine woods. This would be a metonymy of the part for the whole where it's picking out a very expensive wood back in the first century and using that as representative of other uh, expensive woods. It's kind of like teak over in the United States. You know, teak is just kind of like scrub oak here in the United States over in India. Solo's got a door that is an absolutely magnificent front door. It's about three, three feet wide and standard size tall. It's got wood carvings and all this stuff on it. That door you couldn't touch for five grand here in the United States. He paid $50 for it. And it's teak that's about an inch and a half thick. So <clears throat> that stuff getting imported over here is, it would bring a whole lot more money. Uh, how about marble? They have marble quarries stacked up in India. <laughs> and I'm going, how can I get it over there? I can buy it for 50 cents a foot. Here it's fifty dollars a foot to get this stuff, and I get it. But of course, the weight—you got to buy a ship to get it over here. So that's why it costs so much money. But here are all these cargoes coming in of every kind of thing imaginable, and 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 the it's coming into this entity, and there's no place to unload it anymore. It's the largest consumer nation in the history of the world, and it says <clears throat> in every article of ivory always been a valuable commodity. Every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble. The finest building materials in the world. This place brings it in. You start looking at some of the early oil barons and and uh, railroad magnets and people like that in the 1800s and all that. A lot of them imported their whole house from overseas. And they started bringing in 
this cut marble and these cut stones and they brought the woods in and had their furniture made and stuff that's absolutely incredible I'd go up if you want a quick view go up to Bartlesville and go through uh, Frank Phillips uh, mansion up there go out to Wooler Rock and see his hunting lodge that was out there and you'll get just a touch of what they did with this vast amount of wealth and it says and cinnamon and ointments and incense and perfume and frankincense and see these are the finest fragrances and spices and wine and olive oil and fine flour and grain and cattle and sheep so it's the finest agricultural products look what we got the precious gemstones coming in we got fine fabrics fine wood valuable commodities like ivory the finest building materials fragrances spices agricultural product and cargoes of horses and then I just love this and four wheeled wagons <coughs> now can't make this up Rayday, R-H-E-D-E. Normally when you see this word wagon, <coughs> it is the word arma, A-R-M-A, which means a war chariot. But that's not what we have here. This is a word used only one time in the New Testament. Wouldn't it be amazing to find it in an entity of the end times used to describe something unique? It is a, it is a chariot... It was a fairly common word, but this is the only place it was found there. Its chief use was transportation as compared to the arma, which is the war chariot. So it's cars. I mean, in the last days, you look at it and go cars, and no question about it. You're not allegorizing. You're not doing anything but understanding what it says. And, and then you look around and go, what's this talking about? And bodies and souls of men... <coughs> This is a cheap labor. Cheap labor, and it would include slaves in one form or another. So, <clears throat> this entity is the major importer of the world's finest items. That's what it is. Men sell their souls to partake of, partake of this wealth. And all these valuable things will become nearly worthless. Look at all these cargoes that are coming in. They've all been ordered. They're expecting to be sold and there's no place to unload them. What are you going to do with them? He's not done yet. <clears throat> and your ripest fruit and the lust of the soul has gone from you. These are exports. So there's the imports that have come in. The lust of the soul has gone from you and all luxurious objects. It, the lust of the soul almost sounds like they're the porn kings. One of the main distributors of porn and the fact that it's there throughout the world. The lust of the soul is gone from you in all unique, luxurious objects of idolatry. That luxurious is that strenao word that's the unparalleled uh, luxury. We've seen it in this chapter two or three times already. And bedazzling things. This is just lampros, L-A-M-P-R-O-S. We get the word lamp from it. It looks at things that catch the eye, shining things that catch the eye. This is, this is pretty general. <clears throat> then it says it is destroyed. Destroyed is the word apolumi. A-P-O-L-L-U-M-I. Apolumi 
Now this word, when it <clears throat> translate destroy, its its main description means to destroy in the sense of ruining. Now it is this is the interesting way that this is set up because it's a third person singular when it's translated it. And it lumps all these things that are in this nation, either ready to be there or getting ready to be exported, lumps them all as one. So it's like you take all the goods and the exports of this economic Babylon and it views the destruction as just being one, as a unit. And then it uses an aorist active indicative. Aorist tense is a point in time. It's destroyed. That means that's what has happened. The indicative says it's a historical fact. And it's destroyed in the sense of, of a ruination. <clears throat> now, it's a, this is a, it's a very subtle but effective way to point to a total loss all at one time. But it's not done here. It's going to say it several different times that it's going to happen at one in, in one hour, one day, and it's going to make it very clear. He says it is destroyed from you, this entity, economic Babylon, and they will positively never ever find them again. <clears throat> never ever. You, you ha, were you ever? I know you're taught in school. Double negatives are not good. Okay, this is a triple negative. And the Greek, it's good Greek. Double negative makes it strong. Guess what a triple negative does? It's an ever, never, ever, ever, never again. There, how many ways can total destruction be said? Because it's saying them multiple ways here. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit writing through John doesn't want this misunderstood what is being said. So... <clears throat> The entity expires expecting even greater things. The ripest fruit, the lust of you is gone, and all unique objects of, of luxury is destroyed. They'll never ever find them again. The souls of the inhabitants of this nation are focused completely on the material things of life. And it, it's happening more and more in our nation. It's happening worldwide. But, I mean, we, what a consumer nation we are. Um, you know the the things people will camp out for for days in order to be the first one to have a certain phone. <laughs> I really like to. <clears throat> we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So when we get there, we say, Isaiah, what did you think about the first phone? Won't that be cool? I mean, <laughs> Jeremiah, I got a question for you. <laughs> and you can bring you over. So when you saw this thing motoring along here, and it wasn't horses in front of it or behind it, <laughs> it was just going down the road, and then they stopped and took a hose, and they put something in it. You don't know what it was, but it stunk. Uh, how did that grab you? Talk to me about that. You know, you'll have some, we'll all have some good conversations for all of eternity about when you first saw these things. We look back at some of the things that we saw. You know, when I was a kid growing up, our third grade class took a field trip. And this field trip, we walked about a good four or five blocks. 
down to one of the kids' house who just got a color television set. Now, that was a big deal. It was about 1956, 57, something like that. And, and we're still listening to radio, and we've got an old black and white set. This is color. You talk about in, in capturing this color on a television set. And now we do well. we got them on our phones. We can watch, t- watch TV. What do you mean watch TV? Send it across the airwaves? How does all this stuff work? No, we're not sending it across the airway. We're bouncing off satellites. Try to tell that to Isaiah. <laughs> or Jeremiah or John, the apostle. They're, they're just going to look at you like, are you from another planet? Because <clears throat> they can't grasp it. And yet John's writing this stuff under the inspiration of the Spirit and the direction of the Lord. Write what you see. It's what he's been told. One must never trust wealth because it's transitory. 1 Timothy 6.10 Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Verse 15 The international merchants of these things who become rich from her still stand at a long distance because of the fear of her torment wailing and anguishing. It picks it up again. It says that she's been destroyed. It describes all the things that she imported, describes things that some of the things that she exported, and then it goes back to the merchants. Merchants are wailing. Their wail says, Woe, woe. <clears throat> I think that's the loss of imports and the loss of exports. They're seeing it from both sides. of the, There's no place they can sell their stuff. There's no place that they can get the finer things of life. Whoa, whoa, the great city. Now, usually and frequently within a nation, you have the capital city. And in this case, I believe the financial capital is what it's talking about because it's economic Babylon. You have the financial capital used to to describe the entire nation. We frequently speak in the United States. Somebody will say Washington, D.C. And they'll look at the capital where different things are, are going on. If you're talking about money, you'll say Wall Street. You'll say New York City. That's, what, that's the way that... That is a common figure of speech throughout the history of time. So it's not... It's not limiting it to only the city, but it's looking at where the evil sprang from and came from. She who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and having been gilded with gold. Gilded is Crusoe, K-C-H-R-U-S-S-O. Crusoe <coughs> only used two times, and it was used back in chapter 17 uh, in verse uh, 4 describing religious Babylon. Okay, so here is a place that religious and economic Babylon are both extremely wealthy, but it talks about gilded with gold and precious stones and pearls. Verse 17, 4 in 1. Now, I mentioned before when you say an hour okay there's there's not a numeral there and it's just implied if there's no definite article with it for an hour you could say then imply one hour and you could say that but John under the inspiration of the spirit keeps putting the number in here 
Okay, you don't have to have the number number to say one hour, but when you put the number in there, you can rest assured he is not using this hour in an allegorical sense. He's using it in a literal sense, and it says four and one. There's the there's the number here. One hour such great wealth has been desolated. This is a little bit different than the word apolumi that we just saw, meaning to be ruined. This word is eremao. <clears throat> E-R-E-M-O-O. Eremao. This word's only used five times. And it's used in the parallel passages, Matthew 12:25, Luke 11:17. Uh, it's what happens to divided kingdoms. Okay? The Lord said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It, it, it will become desolated. So it's used to describe a divided kingdom. It says such great wealth has been desolated. It is also used in Revelation 17:16, <clears throat> a religious Babylon. Such great wealth has been desolated, done away with. And it's used two times here. Verse 17, verse 19, the five times it's used. Kingdom divided against itself cannot survive. It will be desolated. That's Jesus. Parallel passages back in the Gospels. And so it's saying that it's something, to me, <clears throat> although it doesn't state it directly, it's connected into the angelic conflict in there. King, that Satan's kingdom's divided against itself is not going to stand. This one's not going to stand either. <clears throat> and every shipmaster and everyone who is upon a place of sailing and a sailor. And as many as are working by the sea. Literal translations of what we've got. Now the word sea, just for future reference in case someone might ask you. It's the word thalasso. Before I forget about it, I thought of a good answer when somebody says, What's, what makes you say that, that your belief system is better than my belief system? Do you have an answer for that? I mean, that's, that's common postmodernism. You believe what you want, I believe what my one, and everybody be fine. And, and what makes you think that you have a better system? And it hit me today, because well, I got better evidence. I got better evidence. And that might open up a conversation to say, I've got better evidence. You can talk about the, the Bible and the sufficiency of the Bible, how it was inspired, how it's preserved, and how it's accurate. And you can start talking about something of substance rather than I think and you think and all the happy, smiley face stuff. I'm okay, you're okay. Philoso <coughs> used 91 times. A Greek student 101 will know that this is a sea. It is not a river. It is used to describe the Sea of Galilee. The Thalasso of Galilee. It is used to describe the Red Sea. Uh, <clears throat> one thing this word does not mean is river. Okay? It says... But a big lake. Well, the the Bible calls it a 
Whatever it is, it's a sea or it's a lake. It's a big body of water. It's not a river. Okay. George. It, it usually indicated, though, not again, not a river, not surrounded on both sides by land. So, yeah, you could use it, the Sea of Glass in the um, Revelation 4 and 5. That's probably where you're thinking. John? If we go back to Apollo, for just a second, James 1, uh-huh. talking about the sun comes up and scorches the earth. Yeah. Like Be ruined. Yeah. Well, and and James 5 does the same thing. When it says that the, this gold that they've got, because, you know, if, if we stop and connected the dots on all these, then and James 5 would come into it because James 5 says your gold is rusted. Gold doesn't rust <laughs> unless it has been changed somehow through some type of chemical reaction that's not normal. Gold doesn't rust. But it says your gold is rusted. You can't pick it up. It's contaminated. Man, what would people do if they couldn't touch touch their gold? That was part of the the joy of it. But yeah, <clears throat> ruined apolumi is is an interesting word, and its basic meaning is, is the fact that it has been ruined. If you find uh, the the Roman Colosseum, the ruins of the Roman Colosseum right now would be apolumi. It's not functional. It's not usable. It's not totally gone and pulverized and everything else. It's just been rearranged. It has been fallen down. It is ruined. It is not suitable for use anymore. And that's the basic meaning behind Apolumi. <clears throat> now, uh, this Babylon is on a sea, not a river, as was historical Babylon, and there's no sea nearby. Okay, that they would be able to see Babylon uh, burning in such a way. If one were sailing on the Euphrates River, they'd not be far away, far away from historical Babylon. And what does this say? They stood at a long distance. Okay, that 400 yards, the widest part of the Euphrates River. That's not a long distance. That's four football fields. That's quarter of a mile. That's, you know, we can pull out of the driveway and you can see the the sea of Overholzer <laughs> down there. <laughs> and you, that's quarter of a mile. Okay, so that's how far it is. That's how wide the widest part of the Euphrates River is. Mississippi River is a lot wider than that in places. So, anyway... <clears throat> Now it says they were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is similar to the great city? And they, this is the shipmasters, the passengers, and the sailors from the last chapter, they, or the last verse, they threw dust on their heads. Now this is an ancient custom denoting an intense grief. Uh, it still goes on today in a lot of places. <clears throat> The sailors did the same thing over the loss of ancient Tyre. 
Ezekiel 27, verse 29 and 30. When Cyrus built a siege wall after that island, because Tyre is Ezekiel 26, 27, and it's, it's a nation that had an anti-Semitic thought and God used it as an example. He used it as an example because they didn't take action against Israel. What happened was Israel was being attacked by others and they went, oh, that's good. We'll let these other people take, attack them. We'll get their trade. And God said, I know what you thought. Okay? And he judged them for that. Well, Cyrus built this siege wall because it was the sailing hub from the, for the world at that time. And these other sailors, when Tyre was smitten by Cyrus and his armies, guess what? They threw dust on their heads. Big part of their, their jobs had been shut down. <clears throat> And he said, they kept crying out, wailing and anguishing. Look at what the, the crying out, wailing and anguishing, repeated over and over, saying, Woe, woe, there it is again, the great city, in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour, again the number one's in here, one hour she has been desolated. That's the word eremao that we just saw a little bit earlier. So the double woes are used by kings, merchants, and workers. They have the same idea. So it's not a uppity-uppity thing. It's kings, merchants, and workers. Kings wail over the loss of economics and military protection. As when you put together other passages, I took the liberty of installing some other things from Jeremiah 50 and 51. How has the hammer of the whole earth been cut down? It asks. We're the hammer of the whole earth. The United States the hammer of the whole earth. Economic Babylon, prophetical Babylon, is the hammer of the whole earth. Okay? So if the rapture's in this generation, we're it. No question about it. So there was military protection. What happens if Uncle Sugar's gone? There's going to be a lot of places going to be open season. The merchants wail over the loss of imports and exports. The workers wail over the loss of potential wealth and certain unemployment. Wealth, prominence, and intellect will not deliver a nation or an individual from God's judgment. That's also spelled out in, in Jeremiah in multiple places. We'll look at some of those when we move into the next point, point six, about the differences between economic and religious Babylon. Gina? Yeah. Well, see that I think it's all interconnected with the rise of the Antichrist. And the at the rapture, there's going to be a financial hit the world's going to take because one sixth of the population is gone, and Christians, a lot of them, hold some of the wealth. That's we could say that. So there's going to be somewhat of a hit. Christian businessmen are not going to be there. It's going to be. With the destruction of this entity, then the the rationing, you know, the rationing, the famine, the mark of the beast, all those things are easily put in place. Because it's kind of like Saul Alinsky, don't ever let a 
good crisis go without some kind of political gain out of it. I mean, that kind of the rules for radicals type thing. You just and, and talk about a crisis. You know, somebody's gonna make something off the Kilauea volcano out there because it's making a mess out of Hawaii, and it doesn't look like it's done yet. Uh, <clears throat> somebody's gonna use that crisis somewhere along the line. And it's to, to me, and I don't. I hope nobody gets killed, and you know, if they want to keep the property, and all that, that that's all fine. But I look at that and I go, well, we, you know, what caused those things? Now think of the. You're going to hear this in the news, and I'm not a prophet, but I'd almost bet on it. Global warming, climate change is causing different pressures on the inside of the world. Because El Nino's out here in the Pacific again. And when El Nino comes, certain things happen which affect certain pressures, which moves the tectonic plates, which is blowing its top in Hawaii. Therefore, we need to fire Scott Pruitt. We need to get somebody in there and put all these regulations back in so that we can keep volcanoes from ever happening again. That's not going to work. Well, I don't know. And they don't have to make sense. Have you ever noticed that? It's Babylon. Okay? They run by confusion. They have an agenda. They say it so fast. They say it over and over again. And people go, duh, I guess that's right. Because they don't have time to stop and think through what's actually being said. So... <laughs> yeah. Oh, it fell 200 points today. <clears throat> well, we've we've never said we've been disinterested. <laughs> I mean, oh gosh, amazement stems. So look at this from the totality and the speed of the destruction. They are at a distance. And they know what's going on. See, this they know what's happening. I saw a fire today, for that fire that went off at 102nd and 235 Broadway Extension or wherever it was up there. And, and it was big black smoke. And I was taking Mom over to the hospital and see that. I went, hmm, wonder what's on fire. Okay, so here I, we're eight miles away, seven or eight miles away, something like that. And here is this, this burning that is there that... It's just total and destructive, and they know they better stay away. Now, see, what happens with fires? A lot of people run to them. A lot run from them. A lot of them run to them. These guys, nobody's running to this. Whatever kind of fire it is, is is something that you don't want to be a part of. Now, if you take literally Jeremiah 50 and 51, their faces aflame. Why did it even need words like that? Why did it need arrows that don't pierce but smash? Arrows pierce. They don't smash, but these arrows smash. These verses also document a specific geography only been reached by ship in the ancient world. <clears throat> Jeremiah 51.13 Prophetic Babylon, O you who dwell by many waters... 
abundant in treasures, your end is come, the measure of your end. Now, the great city refers to the financial capital of the nation in view, probably New York City. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing how you just follow the money and you end up... <laughs> that old old proverb there. A rebuilt historical Babylon would never fulfill this physical, this physical description. Could not ever do it. The world will realize the greatest economic power in history is gone. That's what the world will realize. And you can't even go in there and plunder and see if there's anything left because the burning is so bad and so intense. And see, what it says in Jeremiah, what it says here is nobody's ever going to walk through it again. Now, if it was historical Babylon, remember, the land of Abraham goes right up to the south side of the Euphrates River. Are you telling me that part of the land promised to Abraham won't be given to him? Because historical Babylon is on the north and south side of the Euphrates River. Cannot be historical Babylon. Verse 20. The heavenly command. Keep rejoicing. Present passive of Euphrino used 14 times. The word is used in Luke 15 four times over rejoicing over the return of the prodigal son. Interesting usages of these. We give us some idea of the joy. Revelation that's used in Revelation 11:10. It's used to describe the rejoicing the world has over the death of the two witnesses. Who gets the last laugh would be what I would ask. Okay, <clears throat> keep rejoicing over her, O heaven. Singular, not heavens, O heaven. I don't really have a good answer for why. Just that it is the, the singular that is in view. Namely, the holy ones. Holy ones is hagios. And if you track that word out, it includes angels. Includes this point in time, you're going to have martyred saints up there. You're going to have the church up there. You're going to have angels up there as well. <clears throat> and the apostles. Hmm. Highest ranking church age officers. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If the rapture could have happened any time, how could the apostles be in heaven when John was still alive? Let me wrote this. Wait a minute. Over her, O oh, heaven, the holy ones and the apostles. I guess he was the only one left, so I guess he could say, well, that's close enough anyway. And the prophets, this were the highest ranking people of the age of Israel because the God has judged the judgment for you against them. Saying the people who were there in heaven, the saints, Rejoice over the destruction of economic Babylon. That's what the command is about. Heaven will celebrate the fall of this evil nation. All believers, angels, apostles, and prophets will join in. The rejoicing is because of prophetic fulfillment. Jeremiah 51, 48. 
And again, there are no direct quotes in the book of Revelation of the Old Testament. There's over 100 allusions to them. Jeremiah 51, 48, listen. Then heaven and earth and all that is in them will shout for joy over Babylon. For the destroyers will come to her from the north, declares the Lord. A major reason for her fall is failure to protect Israel. Jeremiah 51:49. Indeed, Babylon is to fall for the slain of Israel. As also for Babylon, the slain of all the earth is fallen. The judgment belongs to Jesus Christ. John 5:22. All judgment is mine. <clears throat> the greatest example of the economic viewpoint of the Tower of Babel will be gone. This viewpoint has persecuted believers throughout all of history. It is a viewpoint that says, I can save myself, I can escape the flood, my great intellect is going to do this. This entity is the culmination of the Tower of Babel, and here we are. You turn on the news and you go, I feel like that Aflac duck listening to Yogi Berra in a barber's chair. Going, what did he say? It's just nuts. There's things that come out that just don't make sense at all. Therefore, the judgment is rendered for all believers. And verse 21, we're going to see the destruction. Uh, we've run out of time now, but it, it's the... It, well, verse 21, and one strong, and it's the word physically strong, Iskaros, angel, lifted up a shaped stone. A lithos. It is, that's exactly what it means. It is a shaped or cut stone like a tombstone, building stone, or the tablets of the law. Lifted up a shaped stone like a great millstone, a symbol of what? Prosperity, symbol of uh, economics, and threw it into the sea. Notice it didn't throw it into the river. I keep bringing that up because it's very consistent. Saying... In this manner will Babel and the great city be thrown down by an impulsive assault. Impulsive assault is an ormema, O-R-M-E-M-A. It's the only place this word used in the New Testament. And it means the result of a headlong rush. It is a surprise all-out attack is one way to describe this word. It's the same description, Jeremiah 50 and 51 give it. The same type of description. And may never be found again. So <clears throat> the angel dramatizes the fall. And based on what he picks up, the world will know exactly what the prophecy is referring to. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Second angel. Probably the first anniversary of the rapture. Hmm. Well, fallen, what is, what is Babylon? What are they talking about? I think the news media might be searching around trying to identify what Babylon is. Yes? Statue of Liberty has a tablet. Yeah, Statue of Liberty sure sounds like a good uh, possibility. Talk about a symbol of, a, of, a, of, of greatness. And then in Jeremiah, Babylon was a golden cup in the hand of the Lord. In other words, it was, it was uh, God established it. What it became, early part of this chapter, it became a dwelling place of demons. It didn't start that way. 
and that's just like the United States. This has United States or that Babylon. This Babylon has a mother nation. Historical Babylon didn't have a mother nation to it. We have a mother nation that is still in existence when this destruction occurs because your mother will weep over you. We have a mother nation called England. I mean, the, the evidence is just overwhelming in, in what it's talking about. Statue of Liberty, if, if, if I had any money to bet, and if I'd be here to collect, <laughs> I'd bet that's what it, what it was going to be. A large millstone, great commerce, specifically including agriculture. Casting into the sea is a totality of judgment. Sinking to the bottom indicates it's got no future whatsoever. The impulsive assault denotes the enemy from the north will make a relatively quick decision to attack. Have you ever played the game of Risk? Some of you played that. Just, huh? That's how long it takes. Risk, I always thought, my strategy, I'm not going to tell you my, I'll tell you my strategy, because I'm not going to take the time to play it ever again. My strategy was try to let everybody else kill themselves <laughs> and slowly build up enough of a army that I could lead one all-out assault. And I was either going to conquer the world <laughs> or I was going to die trying. And that was my strategy for the game of Risk. And that looks like what's happening here. It looks like everything is in play for this king of the north to say, okay, it's all or nothing. <laughs> what have I got to lose? And, and unloads. Like the angel's action, the destruction will be without warning to those who do not know God's word. The millstone may be the Statue of Liberty. The inscription, give me your tired, your poor, and your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. The description of this, a stone pedestal upon which stands a woman made from hammered copper wearing robes. Her right hand holds a torch, her left hand a tablet with a date of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. On her head is a crown. Remember this? I sit as a queen forever. <laughs> On her head is a crown. Around her feet lie broken chains, 305 feet tall, weighing 450,000 pounds. Quite a symbol. Yeah, that would be significant. And it wasn't the Twin Towers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for your grace, mercy. Thank you for all that you've done. and Thank you again for your word. Father, it is bittersweet. It is sweet to know what your word says, and it is sweet to see the prophecy. It's bitter because we do love our nation and see the tremendous potential that she still has, but knowing your word will never, will never use, will never gain. She had the freedom and the wealth to take your gospel to the whole world. And now we find many of her people apologizing for it, walking back on it, as recent surveys show that fewer and fewer and fewer people engage in religious discussions around our nation today. Father, that's, that's to whom much is given, much is required. You said to rejoice over its destruction.
Father, the destruction of the evil we will rejoice over. And Father, we pray that before this destruction happens, there'll be a lot more get in the boat and escape it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.